0: The title of this morning's message is The All-Sufficient Savior, but before we get into that, let's pray and and ask God to open our hearts and minds to hear what the Spirit has to say to us. Lord God, again, we're so thankful for all that you give us. We thank you for this church and everyone who's been a part of it and uh, everyone that you will continue to bring in. We thank you for it, Lord God, and we thank you for that promise that the gates of hell will never prevail against your church which we are a part of, and we thank you for that. And we ask this morning, Lord God, as we open your word, I pray that you would open up each and everybody's hearts and minds and eyes, and they would hear and see, Lord God, what you are saying to them and to me. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, uh, John chapter 1, we're going to begin in verse 35, but before we do that, I was looking up the word sufficient. You've probably heard of that before. Uh, The word sufficient in Webster's Dictionary says it's enough to meet the needs of a situation or a proposed end. So it's having enough, but it's more than just having enough, and it's more than just having what's adequate to briefly meet a requirement. Rather, it's what's necessary and desirable, and that's important, what's necessary and desirable, we live in a culture where maybe we need, a, we always feel like, including me, I include myself, that we need a little more. This morning I was thinking about that as I was at Starbucks studying. Uh, you know, Starbucks has a tall, the grande, and the vente for just regular coffee. And for those of you that can't get enough, they have the, what's the other one? Those of you that order that one, the Trenta. Right, and uh, so I get a tall, but... I get it in a grande cup. This is how you get over on Starbucks right here. Because, you know, if you ask room for cream, then they lower your coffee. So here's the trick. You order a tall coffee in a grande cup. But sometimes you get that barista that's trying to be sneaky, and they're like, I see you trying to get over on me. They make it, they're like measuring it out perfectly. But I say, you know what, I'm, I'm here for a couple hours. I'm getting a free refill, so you can short me all you want. I'm getting two or three more cups. Because that cup's not sufficient. I need more. I need more than that. What's necessary, it's not necessarily, it's desirable, but it's not necessary. It depends how long, how how early you get up, right, or how busy your day is. But again, we live in a culture where it's always a little bit more, a little bit more. We need a little bit more. You know, when you go to a fast food restaurant, and they ask you, do you want the regular or the large upgraded? I'm I'm like, just. I think the regular is fine. I mean, I don't know. The largest tube, and even for little kids now, they have little kids' meals, and they're even like supersized. It's crazy. Our culture is always bigger and better. And as I thought of that with my relationship with Christ, do I always think I have enough Jesus, or could I have some more? And is Jesus, Jesus sufficient in my life, or do I have to have something else? This morning, as we look at the story where Jesus interacts with his future disciples I think they get an idea that this is, Jesus is sufficient. He's all that I need. He's all that's necessary and desirable. And so I hope this morning as we read through it and I talk about it, that you see that and come to that conclusion for yourself, that Jesus is your all-sufficient Savior. He's more than just enough. He's more than just meeting the requirement. In your life, he's all that's necessary and desirable. So with that said, let's look at the story this morning and we're going to look at it in four different chunks. Each moment that Jesus interacts with people, we're going to stop there and talk about it and about in particular going to focus on what he says to each and every one of these people and what that means and how it pertains to you and to me in our own life. So the story begins in verse thirty five, as we've been studying John the Baptist and the gospel of John has been pointing and directing people to jesus this coming messiah and finally now jesus comes on to the scene and that's where we pick him to verse 35 it says again the next day john was standing with two of his disciples and he looked at jesus as he walked and said behold the lamb of god the two disciples heard him speak and they followed him And Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, what do you seek? They said to him, Rabbi, which translated means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, come and you will see. So they came and saw where he was staying and they stayed with him that day for it was about the 10th hour. So here in our first section, Jesus's interaction with some people. We see Jesus with two of John the Baptist's disciples. So John's standing there and he's pointing out to his disciples, look, here comes the Lamb of God. He sees Jesus walking. Now, these two men have heard about him because John's been preaching about him. They hear about him and so they finally see Jesus. And what do they do? You just They just start walking behind him. So they're literally following Jesus. I've never noticed that before. So Jesus is walking. I'm sure he walks different than this. But he's walking. And two disciples are behind him. And Jesus looks back. he hears these two guys behind him. And he says, what do you seek? He wants them to express themselves. What are they looking for? I mean, does Jesus really not know what they're looking for? If Jesus is God, which John is telling us throughout his gospel, he knows what they're looking for. It's kind of like when you're, child gets in trouble and you ask them what did you do you know what they did you want them to explain what they did to confess what they've done jesus is asking them what do you seek what do these two disciples who are following him seek well they see the lamb of god that they've been told about god's sufficient sacrifice for sin is that what they want to know do they really want to know who the lamb of god is Or do they come for another reason, just to see what he's going to do? They've heard a lot about him. What is it that they seek? And this brings me to my first point about who Jesus is. Jesus, the all-sufficient Savior, is a revealer of hearts. He wants to reveal their heart to them. He knows what they seek, but they need to understand, why are they coming to Jesus? In a similar way, the question could be asked of us the first time that we made a move towards Christ in our hearts. What were we seeking from Jesus? Is he truly the Lamb of God to you, God's precious sacrifice for your sins? Is he truly your Messiah? Because these two disciples understood what John was saying. This is the Messiah. They said it earlier in the chapter and the day before, because this is the next day, he had pointed to Jesus. This is the Lamb who takes away the sins of the world. And maybe they wanted to understand a little bit more of that. And what about you? And I ask myself that, and maybe we all need to do that every time we come to Christ. Or maybe when we come to read God's word or come to church, what is it that we are seeking? Is it a feeling? Is it just a help in time of need? Is Jesus like a genie in a bottle to us? We only come to him when we're in trouble. Is he truly your all-sufficient Savior? Now, I don't know if all that was tied up into this meaning, but he said, What did you come to see? Jesus, again, is a revealer of hearts. Well, they said to him, They said, Where are you staying? That was their answer. Where are you staying? They didn't answer what they came to see. They said, Here, where are you staying? Probably because as they're walking on the road, maybe they wanted to seek a little more time with Jesus alone, privately, where they're not distracted because maybe there were a bunch of people following him and Jesus. Spotted these two men and spoke to them specifically even though there were a bunch of people around Whatever it was it says they went with jesus because he said come and see and they stayed the whole day with him He says come you're going to see where i'm staying So this is my second point that jesus reveals himself to those who truly seek him There's a lot of times and we'll see in the gospel this one in particular where people come to jesus They ask jesus questions and he says nothing Or he doesn't entrust himself himself to them because he knows the hearts of men. They don't really come to seek Jesus in a true and genuine way. But it seems that these men truly did come to to see what Jesus was or see who he was. And so he reveals himself to them because they really wanted to know. And I ask you and myself, how about us? Do we really want to know who Jesus is? Do you spend time with Jesus to get to know who he is? Who is he? In addition to spending time with Jesus, what's going to happen? And we talked about this last week. The more that we spend in God's word and discover who Jesus is, we'll develop a desire to not only to know him more, but to share him with other people. And that's exactly what you're going to see in this morning's message is every person that came in contact with Christ as soon as they were done with him they went and they got somebody else to tell them about jesus maybe about what they learned or what they saw they said you got to come see this guy and this is exactly what happens as we move on in our story with andrew he's one of the disciples there who spent time with jesus and he goes to find and finds his brother look at verses 40 through 42 it says one of the one of the two so the two of uh john the baptist's disciples They heard John speak and follow him was Andrew, Simon, Peter's brother. He found first his own brother, Simon, and said to him, we have found the Messiah, which translated means Christ. He brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. So the next interaction we see, Jesus is with that Jesus has is with Simon, who is Andrew's brother. So Andrew, after spending some time with Jesus, goes to find his brother. We see this in verse 40. And he tells him, hey, we have found the Messiah. You need to come see him again by spending time with Jesus. Andrew was convinced this is the guy that John had been talking about. And so he goes and gets his brother Simon and brings him to Jesus. And it says in verse 41 he says he finds his own brother simon and said to him we found the messiah translated means christ and he brought him to jesus and as he brings him to jesus jesus looks at simon and says you are simon the son of jonah and you shall be called cephas cephas is the hebrew word for peter meaning rock or stone excuse me it's the greek word for peter meaning rock or stone he sees who simon can be so he gives him a different name he knows who he was but now he sees the future because he's god he sees what simon is going to be for him even though simon himself might not understand it and as we know the story simon who becomes peter fumbles and bumbles his way around christ is still going to glorify himself through him and that's my next point from this morning's story: is that. Jesus will glorify himself through us. So even though Simon didn't understand all things, Jesus does. And he sees out in the future and he looks at his disciples and knows what he's going to do through them. And the same is true for each and every one of us who are his disciples. Jesus can see us, who we were, and then he sees into the future. You know, I know what I'm going to do with that person in their life. How I'm going to glorify myself through them. Wouldn't you like to know what Christ is going to do through you? Would you like to see out in the future? Think of you that, any of you that have been a Christian for any amount of time, could you ever imagine what Christ has already done through you? It's awesome when Christ uses you for some purpose, you know. And then you look back and you're like, wow, I would have never thought that Christ would have done that, glorified himself through me. It helps us focus on something, though, I want, I want you to know is that it's not so much how, how great God is going to make your life or my life, but it's how great God will be in your life or my life. So many times, we think, oh, God's going to make me great. No, God's going to make himself great through you. It's not about us. It's about him. We need to remember that because he saw Simon. He's like, I know what I'm going to do with Simon in the future. I'm going to glorify myself through him. So I think that's something important that we all need to remember is that God uses us to glorify himself, not ourselves. So that's Jesus' interaction with Simon. Let's look at the next section in verse 43. We're going to see another intera- some more interaction that Jesus has with another disciple. In verse 43, it says this, The next day he purposed to go into Galilee, and he found Philip. And Jesus said to him, Follow me. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida of the city of Andrew and Peter. So let's stop right there at that section right here. So we saw in the first two sections that John points out Jesus to his two disciples. One of his disciples goes and grabs his brother and brings him to Jesus. In this instance, we have Jesus going and finding one of his disciples. And he says to him, follow me. Which means, hey, you, it's like tapping you on the shoulder and saying, hey, you, come with me. He does that later on. If you guys remember, as you might be thinking right now, well, what about where Jesus walks along the, the, the lake and he calls out to Simon Peter and says, follow me? And they leave their boats and they come follow him. These two stories seem to contradict each other. But in this instance, the, the beginning here is they're just kind of feeling their, their first exposure to Jesus They don't really decide to follow him at this time. It's later on, once they've heard about him and they get to know him, then when Jesus says, follow me, they get out of their boats and they come. But in this instance, for Philip, Jesus says, follow me. Philip's ready. No matter what's happened in his past, we're we're not privy to it. It's at this time that Jesus calls Philip to follow him. And it's important to note that Jesus calls each and every one of us a little differently, hasn't he, in our life? Some people, he just said, follow me, and we came right away. Others might have fought Jesus for a little bit, or others might have had to investigate Jesus for a little while. Jesus calls everybody a little differently. He meets us where we're at, and the method may be different, but the message is always the same, follow me. Once Christ grips our heart, now he says, follow me. So here, he's calling Philip. To be one of his disciples. And that's my next point about the all-sufficient Savior. Is that Jesus calls us to a life of discipleship. So again, the method may be different on how he calls us. And some of us may take longer to come to Christ than others. But once we have come to Christ, we're called to come along. Follow me. I don't know about you, but the first time I heard about Christ, I resisted for quite some time even made fun of believers but eventually christ got a hold of me and you know and i walked down and prayed a prayer and gave my life to christ at least i think i did i was going to church for quite some time maybe maybe like six seven months and then there was just a one sermon finally spoke to me and and i kind of got it and from that point on i i remember going you know what i haven't really been following christ i've been going to church you know i've been reading and studying and doing what i think i'm supposed to do but Something happened that night when I listened to a sermon. It was on TV and it was like, I need to get I need to be serious about this. I need to call he's calling me to something more than just going to church. And that happens for each and every one of us at some point in life. Sometimes it happens right away, right? You see people totally radically transformed the first time they hear about Christ. And some people it's a process. We don't know where everybody is and where everybody's at, but Jesus knows. The method's different, but once he captures our hearts, he calls us to follow him. He calls us to a life of discipleship. And so if you're a believer in Christ this morning and you've answered that call to follow him, it means that you're coming to be a disciple of Christ. You're coming to follow along with Jesus. So just like Andrew did, Philip also wanted to share what he had learned about Christ, which takes us to verse 45. In our story. It says Philip. So after he was called to follow Christ. It says in verse 45. Philip found Nathanael. And said to him. We have found him. Of whom Moses in the law. And also the prophets wrote. Jesus of Nazareth. The son of Joseph. And then Nathanael said to him. Can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him. Come and see. So here like I said. Philip like Andrew hears about Jesus, decides to follow him. He says, this is the guy that I've been waiting for. He's the one that's been told by the prophets and the law of Moses. And he goes and tells that to Nathanael. He says, "Nathaniel, hey, the guy's here that we've learned about all our lives or in the past. And Nathaniel, you see that he kind of says, well, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Many commentators believe that these two cities had rivals. They were rival cities. You know, think of maybe like New York and New Jersey, you know. New Yorkers would be like, can anything good come out of New Jersey? And the, the guys in New Jersey would probably be the same. I, I don't know of anything here. I, mean, I don't want to make fun of Norco because we're in the city of Norco. So I live in Corona, so it's a little different. But it was rival. He's like, is the Messiah supposed to come out of there? Was that prophesied? And what does Philip say? Hey, come and see. Come and see. That's the one thing that I love about Christianity. Is There's nothing to be afraid of when people question you about it. Have them go check it out. Come and see if it's true. For 2,000 years people have tried to deny Jesus as the Christ. And for 2,000 years it hasn't been done. So come and see it. When anybody challenges you on your faith, have them go check it out. Go read for yourself. Come and see and that's exactly what nathaniel does and that leads us to the next section in verses 47 through 51 as we conclude the section it says this so nathaniel went and saw goes out to see him and jesus saw nathaniel coming to him and he said to him behold an israelite indeed in whom there is no deceit nathaniel said to him how do you know me jesus answered and said to him before philip called you when you were under the fig tree i saw you Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus answered and said to him, Because I said to you that I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, you will see the heavens open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. So there's a few things here I want to point out. So Nathanael. Starts walking towards Jesus. And Jesus sees Nathanael and he says, behold, an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. You see, Jesus knows the character of Nathanael is what's what we're seeing here. And that's a point that I want to bring up too. in in our all sufficient savior is that Jesus knows our true character. And you could tell this is what's happened because Nathanael says in response to this. How do you know me? You know, saying that I'm not like a deceitful person is what Jesus when. He's not a deceitful person. He knows his character. And Nathaniel goes, how do, you, how do you know that? How do you know that about me? And Jesus tells him, well, I saw you when you were sitting under the fig tree. Before, before Philip went over to you. Which leads me to another point is that Jesus has divine knowledge. He knows our character He knows our past. He knows what's going on. And just because Jesus said these things, Nathaniel says, Rabbi, which means teacher. You are the son of God, you are the king of Israel, you are the person who Philip just told me you are, you just demonstrated that to me and all that I've studied in the past, this is who you are. He believed it. You're the son of God, you're the king of Israel. These are messianic titles attributed to Jesus And Jesus promises to reveal so much more to Nathanael and the other disciples. And that's when he says, look at verse 50, because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree. Do you believe the answer is obviously yes? He goes, you will see greater things. What are those greater things that he's in store to see? Well. This is my last point, is that Jesus reveals heavenly truth to man. That's what this vision means when he says this, you will see the heavens opened and angels of God ascending and descending on the son of man. If you know the Old Testament or remember the story of Jacob's ladder, remember when Jacob uh, was at a place called Bethel or he named it Bethel after this. He saw he had a dream and he saw angels going up and down on a ladder to heaven. And he said, truly, this is the house of God. That's what Bethel means. It's a place where heaven met earth, where the divine met mere humanity, where God communicated with man. And Jesus is saying here, it's no longer a ladder, it's me. The angels are descending and ascending on me, the son of man. Because Jesus is now the mediator between heaven and earth. He's the one who's going to reveal God to the world. And the disciples are in for so much more than they could ever imagine. That's why he's saying, you, you believe just because I said that? Wait until you see the Son of Man glorified through all the works that I'm about to do and through all the, the prophecies that I fulfill and through all the teachings that I give, you're going to see angels ascending and descending on the Son of Man. So it's because of these things that Jesus tells us here, through his relationship with other people, that we can trust Jesus as the all-sufficient Savior. Let me just recap these before I go into a time of application for us. The all-sufficient Savior Jesus is a revealer of hearts. He reveals our hearts to ourselves. He reveals himself to those who truly seek him. And Jesus will glorify himself through us. And Jesus calls us to a life of discipleship. Jesus knows our true character. Hopefully that's not too scary to us, right? And we're like, wow, if Jesus saw Nathaniel under a fig tree, he sees me all the time. The great thing is, you know what? He does see us. And he still loves us. And he's still willing to forgive us if we come to him. And Jesus reveals heavenly truths to men. And women, his disciples. I think those should be enough to say, you know what? Jesus is enough. You know, I don't need, you know, Jesus and something else. Jesus is all I need, Jesus is all that's necessary and desirable for his people. And again, Jesus demonstrates his sufficiency through these interactions with these disciples. Now, they don't fully understand who Jesus is yet, and he's going to reveal himself more and more to them. And how does he do that? Because they spend time with him. Jesus will do the exact same thing with each and every one of us. As we spend more and more time with him, he will continually reveal himself to us. I hesitate to make this analogy, but it's like me being at Starbucks. I'm going to stay there all day long and keep getting refills. Jesus will just keep overflowing our cups. So let me let me conclude with these two points. If you see Jesus as the all sufficient savior then I urge you, number one, commit to a life of discipleship. These disciples are about to do that. They're learning about him. They're seeing him. They've heard about him. They're going to spend three years of intense discipleship with Christ. They give up everything to follow him. Now, Christ doesn't call us to do that, to give up our jobs and you know families or whatever. But he does call us to a life of discipleship. We have the great ability of having and blessing of having God's word with us. We have the ability to study it in so many different ways. Let us take advantage of it so that we can get more and more of Jesus. As he reveals himself to us more and more. And we can really see the angels ascending and descending on the son of man. God speaking to us through his word. So I I urge you, brothers and sisters, to commit yourself to a life of discipleship in Christ. I don't know how many times maybe you've thought this of yourself as you read the scripture, like I've never seen that before or depending what's going on in your life. God reveals something different to you in scripture this time. I've been a believer now for I I don't know. I, I can't even remember now a long time, I think over 20 years, maybe something like that, yeah, since I was 19, so, yeah, over 20 years, and I still feel like I don't, like I, I read things for the first time again, it's so cool, it's, the cup never gets full of learning about Jesus, and, and there's nothing greater than becoming a disciple of Christ, and learning more, and more, and more about him, And learning more from my brothers and sisters who get insight and share and pour into you what they have learned. It's a life of discipleship that we're committing to. Jesus put his hand on us and said, come and follow me. He doesn't put his hand on you and say, hey, I forgive you and just leaves you there. No, he says, hey, let's go. Come along with me. It's a life of discipleship. Secondly, if you see him as the all sufficient savior, then I urge you. To commit to tell others about this all sufficient Savior. Just like these disciples, Andrew, uh, Philip, John the Baptist, they pointed people to Jesus. They went and grabbed their relatives, their friends, and brought them to Jesus. As we discover who Jesus is and get to know Him, where I think He puts that burden in our hearts is we want to see other people know Him. Now that doesn't mean that hey, you need to know that you know the Bible forward and backward and be able to you know answer every argument but we bring people to jesus by living out our life in front of them maybe maybe it's bringing them to church maybe it's an opportunity to pray for them and tell them about the lord or or taking them to somebody else to hear about christ but i really believe the more and more we learn about christ and we know christ and who he is and what it means to know him that we we should have that burden to tell other people about him to share christ with other people And maybe it literally means you have to grab your brother and bring him to church or bring him to Jesus, wherever that may be. And you could start by next weekend saying, Hey, brother, come see Jesus and have a taco. There's a little opening for you. You know, I know I'm going to do it. I'm going to commit to doing that, inviting some people that I know to come and celebrate with us, knowing that, you know what? The gospel is going to be presented, God's word is going to be preached. God's word is going to be glorified through worship and singing and prayer. And it's just a way, a little glimpse for other people to see Jesus. Because Jesus now uses you and me to reach other people. I mean, I wish he would like pull back the heavens and just speak to my friends and family members. But he chooses to use you and me. Or pray for other people to beca- come in your friends and family's lives that will speak about christ to them whatever it is and never ever give up and i would say this in closing if you still doubt the sufficiency of jesus then i urge you like philip urged nathaniel to come and see come and see who jesus is don't just brush it off if jesus says who he really is if jesus is who he says he is then you owe it to yourself to to find out if that's true if it's not, you have nothing to lose. But if it's true, you have everything to lose. So with that, let's pray. Lord God, we thank you so much. For-